Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. Good to be with you. And Mike Moses here, uh, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church. Good to be with you all. Harrison, this past week I was at the Church Planters Retreat for our denomination. It was really bad for me that it was in Colorado Springs at the height of the leaf season. Terrible. Sorry. But I, 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 from from that height at 7,000 feet is where my place was, uh, where the retreat was, um, I admired all over again, not just Lake Forest Church, but the Lake Forest family of churches. It was remarkable to see how many of the church planters being fruitful across our denomination are actually anchored right here in our family of churches and how they were the church planting pastors that I, who they, we were all there, um, that I most was happy that after the retreat was over, I would go back and be uh, leading the church and talking about how to teach the Bible with those pastors in particular. Uh, it was a, uh, not only a great week, but a great week for me to revalue and appreciate the pastors and churches we lead alongside. Yeah, man, we got a good we got a good team. It's a fun team to to be a part of. And you know, for what it's worth, I actually tell people this all the time, Mike. I don't know if I've told you this, but you know, having been uh, on staff and really behind the scenes here at Lake Forest for eight plus years now, um, you know, I told this to Terrell when he was starting. When Terrell came on board about a year ago, he was talking about you know, hey. Hey, what's Lake Forest really like, man? Now I'm here. Like, <laughs> like what like what I get myself into? And I'm like, you know what, man? Like, we have a lot of like really cool people that work here that that are really genuine about um just seeing people, you know, take a next step and connect with God. And and it's just, just so there's there's there we're all uh imperfect people, you know, we all make mistakes, even those of us who work full-time in ministry. But, uh, I will say that, you know, it's really cool seeing behind the scenes. And I fully believe that, uh, Lake Forest is just a a church of, of people, uh, on the staff side where you kind of, what you see is what you get with it. There's not a lot of hidden stuff, ambition, agenda things. And it's, it's pretty cool to see. So that, what you said is not surprising to me I because I to, like those folks. Yeah. I happen to see, um, some larger churches where some aspect of toxicity is allowed to grow up in the internal culture, the organizational or the staff culture for different reasons. And at Lake Forest, we're not perfect, but we've managed to avoid some of the worst of, of those things. It's one reason why we feel that's a talent the Lord has given us. Not a perfect culture, but relatively healthy. And one reason to propagate as a family of churches, um, churches with uh, who have a relationship to a, a healthy culture that, again, not perfect, but allows the lambs of the flock to thrive and grow in a safe environment as they are teachable. On today's podcast, speaking of the lambs of the flock, I'm going to dive into an ancient future angle on spiritual growth. Last Sunday, we got to a point where we talked about what's going on with every follower of Jesus and the, this movement of Jesus that began and that exploded in the book of Acts out into the world. What's going on with each individual instead of focusing on the leaders? And it's about being formed more, grown more into the person and image and character of Jesus Christ. There was a whole other angle on that of ancient future approaches to spiritual growth or understanding. There's a beautiful overlay 
that I tried to mash up in the sermon, but it would have been two different sermons, and we would have been there all day and missed that amazing, scintillating Panthers game. That would have stunk if we'd stayed in church an extra hour. (laughs) We might see more people coming to church over the next couple months. (laughs) Say, we're going to do extended sermon at the second service to spare you the pain of getting your hopes up for Panthers. So uh, today, that's going to be our content is an ancient future overlay onto spiritual growth or spiritual formation that really, um, uh, it deepens my understanding of my own walk with Christ. Before that, let's let's just do a couple of notes here at Lake Forest, Harrison. Yeah, so we are wrapping up. We've been spending a whole year in the whole Bible, and uh, at, we are we are finishing that. You know, really, we're kind of finishing that a month early because we wanted to. Um, we're not cutting out any of the Bible. We planned it to finish a month early <laughs> yes. because we wanted to hit um, the Advent season and really just be able to focus on. Uh, the Advent season, we we know that um, especially it's kind of a weird thing that we've noticed here at Lake Forest. I've seen some other churches it's like when things are like more stinky out in the world and it's been a rough year and a half. Like there's just something nice about just going full on Christmas mode, right? Yes. And some of you remember Pastor Byron Davis of Liberation Ministries. They're a partner church of ours that he participates in all of our sermon planning, including we've got some exciting plans already for next year. The pastors had a retreat just a few weeks ago to planning sermons. But Pastor Davis said it really well in our sermon retreat last spring. He said, People are going to be ready to Christmas the heck out of Christmas. That's right. <laughs> and Revelation might bring us down a it, little bit. It may be a little a little different direction <laughs> to go. So with that with that in mind, we planned on wrapping up our year in the Bible here at the end of November, which means uh, we get to spend this last month. We have about five more weeks. Uh, uh, we just spent some time in the Book of Acts, which which a lot of Acts is kind of a a history of how the early church was started. Uh, you move on from Acts, and we get to spend some time uh, in some books of the Bible that we uh, we always like to camp out in. We get the opportunity, and that's looking at uh, some of the the letters of direction and instruction that Paul wrote to the early church that are just filled with like practical knowledge for living a Christian life. Full of uh, that's where a lot of our theology yes. comes from. Deep where, reflection yeah. on the incarnation. Uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. So it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's, it's practical stuff and it's rich and we get to camp out there for five weeks and kind of wrapping up there. Like you mentioned, we'll uh, call this section dear church yeah, because they're letters to the churches and it's always starting off. Oh dear believers in Ephesus or mm-hmm. Philippi. So we're just going to receive some of the things. It, it will be notably brief um, that's just our limitation of the Bible in a year. And <laughs> hey, will you guys pray for me? Right now I'm scheduled on November 28th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, to preach the entire book of Revelation on one Sunday. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But it fits in this section called Dear Church because it starts off as letters to the churches. And the whole thing is an encouragement to persevere during tough times, in their case, times of persecution. Um, we will come back and treat the book of Revelation. We're overdue for an extended treatment of Revelation. Harrison, my most recent thought was, would it be counterintuitive to do a series on Revelation next summer? Like actually do a consecutive series, dole out the chapters and the assignments, and then that might 
be a nice project for everyone, even as they travel or whatever, because people are better now at keeping up week to week, even if they're not here, which leads us to our next. So first of all, good idea, bad idea, Revelation series all next summer. Hey, why not at this point? Uh, although I'll help you. Terrell and Aaron and Victor are going to say, Mike, that's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You're like, we'll just roll with it here at Huntersville. We're good. <laughs> and I'll help you out for the for the 28th, Mike, if you want to be succinct. Uh, uh, for Revelation, uh, Jesus is coming, could be soon, better get ready. There you go. <laughs> okay, th- I'm writing that down. Okay, that's going to be my outline on the 28th, and only the people listening to the podcast will know I stole it from Harrison. That's right. Jesus, Jesus is coming, coming, could be soon, could better be get soon. ready. Okay, please yeah. remember that. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm, I really may do that. Um, hey, we sent out a survey a couple of weeks ago just to Lake Forest people. Just getting the feedback at this point in the fall r- regarding some pandemic-related items and how we're doing as a church. And we want to thank um, uh, a good number of people representing, best we can tell, about 1,000 people in our congregation, if there's three people per household, uh, responded. And so it was really helpful information. I'm going to break some of it down this coming Sunday. But the, the one detail I thought would be helpful for you guys to hear a preview um, I mean, there's no, there's no like, oh my gosh, what? And that was important, actually. One reason we did the survey is there's some huge fact about a huge percent of our congregation that we're just not hearing right now, relative to how we're navigating the pandemic, whether relative to are people dialed in or are they dialed out, etc. And uh, uh, so here, here's the one, one little nugget here. Uh, we asked if you. Are, are predominantly participating online with us and not in person worship right now. What are the reasons? And we gave a bunch of them. And it was kind of all over the map, which is what we've been hearing from people and what we heard the last time we surveyed a, a long time ago. Um, and so this was interesting. Um, about half of the people who said, we're not comfortable worshiping in person yet, about half of those people, their reason was... Um, it's for the safety, medical safety from the pandemic of us or our children. So there's actually, maybe actually more people than we realized are not attending, and that's their number one reason. Only about half the same amount said we're not attending until we don't have to wear a mask. So that was a smaller number than those not attending in person yet uh, by half of those saying I'm just not feeling safe yet being in a crowd. And then there were a, a lot of other reasons for people, but we were surprised actually at the smallness of the number of people saying, yeah, it's just more convenient to chill at home in my PJs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, I was surprised that a higher number of people didn't just say, yeah, that's why I'm not back in person. However, we also figure there's a factor of the number of people like just mailing in and not reading the e-notes right now might be a higher percent of those people who are also like, yeah, it's just not convenient to come back in person yet. I'm sort of dialed out. And so they may be, they're likely underrepresented in that number. Do you, does that sound accurate to you, Harrison? Yeah. I mean, and like you said, it's just mainly it was just encouraging to hear there's not some <clears throat> major red flag of something that we're, we're missing. Because one thing we have noted repeatedly over the last 18 months is that the amount of intentionality that it takes from us as a church staff to make sure that we know what's going on in the lives of our people. It takes about, 
you know, twice the amount of intentionality than it used to because we used to just all of our familiar faces and friends. We just see you guys every Sunday walking through the, the gathering space at church. And now a lot of that connection we have to really purposefully seek out. So it was more just a way for us to just make sure, Hey, we're not missing anything major other than the, the one surprising thing was the 10% that said they stopped coming because you wear too much Carolina Tar Heel (laughs) gear on Sundays. I'm going to have to tighten that up. Yeah, Um, but... That's not really hard during the football season for me to lower that my quotient of yeah. Carolina gear uh, on film. We'll see about the basketball season. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, let's let's make a turn to our subject from last Sunday, which was spiritual growth. Um, here's a here's a a verse that um, I quote often when I'm sitting with people, and many of us claim often if you've been in the faith for very long. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What a precious promise that in all things. Now, I'm careful when I'm sitting with people who are afflicted with cancer or the death of a loved one. This is not saying that God causes all. His active will is to cause every evil thing. His permissive will allows for the fallenness of this period of history contingency of one person's choice affecting another's etc and he is not the author of evil the book of James teaches but in all things he works for the good from where that golf ball is in the fairway in the rough in the sand behind a tree to speak my own language yeah um he works for the good of those who love him and we claim that something we I too seldom follow on is in verse 29. The following, what is that good? Harrison, I won't put you on the spot. He works for the good of those who love him. Here's the good, Paul now defines in verse 29. To be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the highest good that God can accomplish and is his will for you and me as Christians. And that is the teleos, the end, that's the Greek word for end of spiritual growth or spiritual formation or discipleship or sanctification. Those are all words, a little bit different meaning, but they're walking around the same concept. Here in Romans 8, 28 and 29, he does work in all things. He works for your good of you who love him. And the good is to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And everything that are in our lives, everything that happens to us, God's highest good is to not our happiness necessarily. He that's matters to God. But our highest happiness and joy will be as we are formed more into the likeness of Christ. We typically are not in touch with our deepest desires enough to know that we would be most happy when we are most conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And yet that is his highest good for us. Romans 12, 2 talks a little bit about this, that we are transformed by the renewing of your mind. That as we're transformed into the image of Christ, much of how that happens is renewing our minds, renewing the self, which changes our perspective. And as we're transformed, we represent Christ to the world. Being conformed to the image of Christ is is also for a higher purpose. It glorifies God by 
being more fully the body of Christ in this world, his hands and feet. A couple of similar passages talking about spiritual formation this way. Colossians 1, 27. Again, in, dear, in the, the spirit of our new series here, Dear Church, Paul writes to the church, he says, Dear friends, you know, quote, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that, so that is for the purpose of, or to the telos, for the end of, we may present everyone perfect or mature, there is the idea, in Christ. Hmm. Galatians 4, 9, since again, this is dear church. Here's from another dear church to the church in Galatia, which is in uh, modern-day southern um, Turkey. The Galatians, by the way, were this weird Celtic people who had migrated. They were warrior people. They, for whatever reason, they were displaced from Northern Europe, and they were this Celtic people early uh, around the around the time of the birth of Christ, who migrated in mass, and they were so big and fearful, fearsome, like they looked like the people on Vikings in the TV show on Netflix, that they were granted passage all the way, and the empire gave them this whole region in southern Turkey. So there's this Celtic. <laughs> this is an interesting deal, but that's the Church of Galatia. Harrison, they're actually culturally different from all the people around. Hmm. That has no point to this, but but what Paul wrote to them, hey, dear church, all you Celtic people with your weird, your cool-looking art, is different. Uh, Galatians 4.19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. S- some of you, maybe half of our listeners, understand the, f- the pains of childbirth. And what that agony is to give birth and how much you want to give birth and meet this new human being. And Paul's agony or his energy is so that Christ is formed in you. This is why you'll often hear spiritual growth referred to as spiritual formation. Paul uses this word so that Christ is formed in you. And, and this is about what he wants to do in our life, what we usually think of. But it's about, therefore, what he wants to do through our life. That the more Christ is formed, you know, Harrison, I'm curious if you have a name to this. But when I ask myself the question, who is somebody in your life who is just oozes Jesus? They just ooze the presence of Jesus. And what the impact of that person on you, and therefore you know on everyone around them, do, do you have a name or a face? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's uh, really who I consider to be my first pastor a guy named Dan Sutherland who's still a pastor out in Can- in the Kansas City area who uh man this he's one of those guys where it just feels like his priorities are just a little different than what everyone else's is to where he's just drawn to hurting people to making connection you'll always find him around a, a fire pit with a, a cigar just trying to huh. give people space to say, man, what's God at every conversation is, man, what's God been doing in your life? And, uh, you know, God stories go, go God. That's a Dan's thing. He's <laughs> a well-known national Christian leader among people like us. And, uh, that's neat to hear Harrison that he, I, I've heard of him through you especially, yep. but that you, that's how you think of him. That's super encouraging to me. Yeah. 
I think of my friend, uh, I, I think of my mentor in Young Life when I first came on staff, Phil Anderson. And uh, honestly, my friend for 20 years, friend and mentor here in Charlotte, Ken Schultz, is that, has been that for me. And the fact that I had Ken favored me with breakfast every other week for the first 10 years of the life of our church was just, honestly, Christ formed in him, oozing on to me. Um, he's just that man to so many people. Uh, and I'm praying for him and, and some health challenges he's under right now. Hmm. Well, let me, okay, so... I just wanted, uh, I wanted to be reminded and remind our friends of one of the ways Paul talks to the churches and to you and me about spiritual formation, that it's that Christ would be formed in us. And uh, I, now let's go ancient future a little bit. We're, we're an ancient future church. We value the life of the mind. One of the reasons we're part of a denomination and, and that we have settled doctrine is that it's important for us to stand on the shoulders of Christians who have responsibly reflected on Scripture for 2,000 years. We're not making this stuff up. We learn from them so that we don't make some of the same errors and so that then we can take it farther as iterations as the Holy Spirit further illumines things. And there's a way of talking about spiritual formation, how God forms Christ in us, that is actually um, quite ancient and um, is common to both Eastern and Western streams of Christianity, using different words, uh, but saying the same thing. And, and if we were to go, uh, through, go to the great saints throughout history, and here I'm, I'm thinking particularly pre-Reformation, pre-1500s, um, those mystics and saints uh, for 1,500 years who who came to be known as the spiritual masters and have focused their attention on how, how is Christ formed in us spiritually. Um, both in the East and the Western churches, they came to talk about it as a three-stage process. Um, let me back up for a second. Um, it could, and there's a convergence between Eastern and Western Christianity. Uh, many of you will know that the Christian church, historically and globally, has three main streams. So Harrison, if we think, we can sometimes bemoan, oh, there's so many denominations and stuff. But think of it this way. Um, uh, the Christian church has three main streams. Um, we're in the Protestant stream. But but think, uh, uh, which began around the year 1500 with the Reformation. But then there's the Roman Catholic stream, and there's the Eastern Orthodox streams of Christianity. All streams of Christianity are related to those three. And here, let's think about, think about church history this way. Think of a tree, and there's a trunk. And the, the Christian church in the first thousand years was just one. It was one. Mm-hmm. It was a solid tree trunk. Um, and then around the year 1000 A.D., that trunk splits into two. The Eastern church... Uh, kind of went sort of their own leanings, and the Western Church went their own leanings, and they split. They did not say you're not only we are Christians, but they had some very strong disagreements, and they they became different forms of Christianity. And so the Eastern, the Western form is monolithic. It's Roman Catholicism. The Eastern forms of Christianity are less monolithic, but they're well related. You'll hear of Russian Orthodox. Uh, Greek Orthodox, all the blah, 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 all those. Nestorian Christianity in Iraq and Iran. 
Those are all off of that stream. And then in the year 1500 at the Protestant Reformation, this third branch rooted off, and it has multiplied into a million branches because of the, the very nature of the Reformation happening at the time, also of Western Enlightenment revela- uh, revolution and the rise of individualism. Those are philosophical reasons why the Protestant stream has a million branches yeah. and the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox have fewer. So, pre-Reformation, okay, and this wisdom comes down to us today, it is the threefold way of spiritual formation. And here, here we do the 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 um, this classic conception of spiritual the threefold way to some degrees these are stages Harrison the way they they're taught and regarded but like in most things in life like the stages of grief it's not like you're in stage one and then you go on to stage two and you never do stage one again or stage you understand that they overlap to some it, and so this is more a state a wise statement from experience, hard-fought experience, that there are three grand movements in the spiritual life, uh, like three grand movements in a symphony, you might say. Uh, and they're distinct, but they also interpenetrate one another. Okay, so the first movement, and they're called different things in the Western and Eastern tradition, but they mean the similar thing. In the Western tradition, uh, Roman Catholicism, the first movement is called the purgative way. And we understand the concept of purgation or purging. Um, In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, their first movement is similar, and it's called the way of catharsis, Hmm. right? Catharsis, that's a Greek word that means the same thing, cleansing or purging. And as you hear about this, you think quickly of Paul's letters, Dear Church, when he says, put off the works of the flesh, the former way the old man. And I look back on my my life as a follower of Christ, and I can see how important this has been in my own spiritual formation, how important it is um, today. Like, and for many of you, when I rethought about my early Christian experience, it was, when I was a freshman in college, Harrison is when I grew the most. Like, leaps and bounds being formed into the image of Christ. Um, and... Um, uh, th- that's when I especially totally encountered the person of the t- Holy Spirit, and I set my life on the way of not just calling myself a Christian, but living as a disciple of Jesus and looking into Him, forming me into the image of Christ. And I immediately, when I that whole perspective changed for me, I was aware of a bunch of bad things in my life that needed to stop, that needed purging, mm-hmm. that needed to be catharsis, cleansed out of my life. Um, it had to do with lust in my life. It had to do with disrespectful, unethical ways of treating girls. Um, it had to do with a mocking spirit. Those are just three. <laughs> and why, when Angie first dated me my freshman year in college, uh, she didn't want to hang out with me longer than one or two dates because I was a typical frat. I was like a frat boy. I didn't get trashed at that point in my life, but in other, every other way, attitudinally, I mm. was. Um, and this was a year God was working on me with these things. Um, and, and I just remember over my time in college, um, so the, as I look back, those were years, were, were intensive years of the purgative way of putting off. Um, 
And what the, I think the Holy Spirit was doing in my life, what it would have sounded like is, Mike, if we're going to go a long way together in life to form you in the image of Jesus, there's some garbage we got to get rid of quickly. Because this garbage will stop you from experiencing the other things I want to do in your life. Um, if you're filled with mocking others, for instance, that's just feeding your own pride. And that's the hugest obstacle to the formation of the character of Christ in our lives. And so, actually, I also remember, Harrison, becoming pretty focused. Like today, I would say over-focused on the bad behaviors in my, that I needed out of my life. The purgative way was thematic for me at that phase, and maybe some of you have had that, and that's that's normal. Um, it's it's normal if you get stuck only in that part of discipleship. That's what Dallas Willard called a sin focused Christianity, and that doesn't honor Jesus either. Mm-hmm. Um, Which there are some strains of of Christianity as you're talking about this tree with the branches. There are some that you can easily think of that really live there in a way that can be harmful to Christ followers when you're when you're stuck in that mindset for sure. Precisely. And and we need to come back to the purgative way over time and root out pride all over again. And the purgative way is not a score sheet. Oh, hey, I'm not doing this this and this. I'm a good Christian. It's getting the garbage out. Getting the dark stuff out so the light can come in, which leads us to the second movement in classical spiritual formation, the wisdom of saints from the ages. Um, in the Western stream of Christianity, the second movement of spiritual formation is called the illuminative way. We know what that means. And the Eastern stream of Christianity calls this photosis. <laughs> There's your new word for the day, everybody. Photosis. This, I was reminded of this coming back to my notes. Um, photosis mean, in Greek means the bringing of light. Hmm. Um, and so after you've seen some of the darkness and ugliness start to come out of your life and like you get the grime off the windows of your soul, um, not that we become sinless, Christ is sinless for us and in us, but, but we are rooting out the actions of sin uh, and the detritus of it, <laughs> junking up our life. And, and something important happens as you purge a lot of sin out of life. Then you begin to be like, oh God, I want all the light that's possible to flood into me. Photosis, the bringing of light, the illuminative way. Now, light me up might be a contemporary. If I were preaching this, that's yeah. probably how I would title it. Um, the light is one of the reasons we pursue faith in the first place, right? To get, in, to get into the Bible and the Bible into me. Um, I'm reminded of reading an autobiography. I don't remember if it was written by Johnny Cash or it was an extended interview. It was probably with some other person of Johnny Cash. And he talked about he had been sort of a cultural Christian uh, much of his life growing up, etc. But but at one point, God led him to a complete (laughs) conversion. He, He had actually, he describes in detail... In the, um, in the mountains of East Tennessee, he crawled up into a cave, Harrison. He was so disgusted with himself and with his life. Drugs and his treatment of women and broken relationships. And, and he, he saw the light. And, and so he covered that song, I Saw the Light, that we did a few weeks ago. And he said he was never interested. But, but then he entered, he, he didn't use these ways, these phrases. But he entered the stage of purgation. He got drugs out of his life. He got the mistreatment of women out of his life. 
He got some other stuff, pride and such, out of his life. And then he entered the photosis stage, the illumination. He couldn't get enough of the Bible. He began to study it, immerse himself in it, listen to Bible teaching. He didn't just want knowledge. He was hungry for light, for truth, to flood his soul because it had been so disilluminated for so long. And this is interesting, Harrison. Don't you wish you were this worship pastor? He started to be hungry for worship with other Christians. Like worship is a place where photosis happens. The light shines in. Even when for the rest of the week we might not have felt that illuminated. Hmm. So he started showing up at this church, some random church, and here's the note he wrote to the pastor and put it in the offering plate one week. My name is Johnny Cash. I'm here. I'm available to play my guitar and sing whenever you like. As to the suitability of the guitar in church, please read Psalm 150, where it says to praise God with the stringed instruments. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> I never heard that. That is great. Don't you wish you were that fast? Oh, got man, that note? that's awesome. <laughs> so in this part, this part of, of the Christian faith called photosis or the illuminative way, a, a desire, a thirst is stoked to be like, not only do I not want darkness in here, I want all the light I can get, man. All the good thoughts, the noble thoughts, the grateful thoughts, truth. I want to be filled with light. And, and so th- that's the illuminative way. Um, uh, it's wanting to be in God's Word, wanting to worship with other Christians, wanting teaching. Uh, Harrison, have you ever had an intensive period of that, the illuminative way in your life? Or was that more just a gen- kind, gentle process for you? Well, it's actually, I just keep thinking as you're, as you're going over this, which is one of the reasons why I love... Um, why I love this practice of, of ancient future kind of thinking is that one of the things that we do here at Lake Forest, I never, I had never done before that wraps up both of these first two steps is the season of Lent where we would literally talk about taking off and, and putting on. And I'm like, man, I just keep thinking of that. And the practices in Lent that I've had since I've been here over the past eight years really have been like really good seasons for me. Even more than like, uh, it's more like rather than taking your car to the shop because your engine blew out, it's more like checking those dashboard lights once a year and being like, okay, where am I? What do I need to take off? What do I need to put on? It's been really healthy for me. Harrison, perhaps we could turn this content here, these notes of mine, into our Lenten uh, guide for this year. Yeah. We could do worse than that. It feels feels very uh, lined up with that, which I'm sure is not coincidental you know considering um because we're gonna our lenten series is gonna be shorter this year we're gonna do something else for the first part of lent that will not be hyper lent focused but then as we get close to holy week we will okay so the illuminative way this is where this is helpful to be ancient future oftentimes this is where particularly we as protestants we're like oh i get that i want the the protestants are the word focused bible focused most Bible elevating stream of Christianity, and that's a strength of Protestantism, and, and we think, well, that's that's it, that's the end of it. Fill my my life with your truth, but there's a third movement in the the deeper, longer term wisdom of the saints of Jesus Christ for two thousand years, and so the great saints tell us if we follow the purgative way, and then the illuminative way or photosis, that eventually it's possible. If we move on to experience something the great saints call the unitive way. Hmm. The Easter tradition 
has, so unitive way is the Western phrase for it. The Eastern tradition has the word theosis. So in the Eastern tradition, the stages of spiritual formation are catharsis, photosis, and then theosis. Sounds a little bit like a disease, (laughs) Um, but it kind of is like that. You catch a really bad case of God. Um, Theosis is unification with God, the unification of the person with God or the conforming to the image of Christ. God permeates your body, your soul permeates your life. And this, this is true of all of us when we become a Christian, that we are now in union with God through Jesus Christ. But the theosis part of spiritual formation is working it out through the process of growth into my experience and others' experience of me. Um, one of the, the great saints said it like this, theosis, becoming, living in union with God. One of the great saints said it like this, if you take the fireplace poker and you have a fire in your hearth and you put the fo- poker into the fire, after a while, that poker starts to glow orange. After a while of being in the fire, it starts to look like fire. That cold black piece of iron starts to grow orange just like the fire. And this is a wonderful thing, an image of what theosis means. Now we've been in the fire of God for a long period of time. The fire of God is in us so much that we just begin to glow with the fire of God. And we experience increasing levels of union with God. Harrison, this is something that I pursue in my own private times of prayer. I experience from time to time is increasing levels of union with God. Not only as a truth, something that's true about me because of salvation, but something that is a lived experience, and it's a great joy in my life. This is a territory that I, I've, I would say I only occasionally a glimpse this territory. The, I, maybe I glimpse the frontiers of it. I have such a long way to go in the purgative way, the illuminative way, but when I encounter this idea from the great saints of history of the unitive way or theosis, living in full union with the Godhead, don't you, as a disciple of Jesus, long for this? Um, this, and to me, this describes Jesus' brightness. Jesus was that fire poker, just glowing hot. It's why everyone, it, it, it's that intangible that when when we say everyone is attracted to Jesus, everybody understands that. You don't have to say much. His whole life was a, a testament to this. I think part of this means also, um, uh, you know, so a disciple is like, I just want to be in the fire of God. I want to have the fire of God in me. I want to experience union with God. And one of the things that I think that looks like for us, and one of the ways we could see if this is in any way true of us, is it also means um, when God sees the good in someone or somewhere else, we see it too. Hmm. Rather than us only seeing what's wrong and what stinks about that person. We actually see through the lens in union with God. We see that person as God sees them, not as somebody to use or exploit, but someone to approach with love and respect and as a potential child of God, approaching them with the belief in what they can become, the way that Jesus did with Peter, perhaps. Hmm. Um, Well, that's what I hope everyone can be. Um, 
is that we we would experience increasingly um, uh, this sense that uh, back in the scriptures that we read, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, that Christ be formed in you. How about if I end with a prayer? Let's do it today. Oh God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Help each of us to have a desire for purgation of all that is not of you in our lives. Help us to have a passionate thirst and hunger for illumination that your word and your spirit released in in worship of you privately and especially when gathered with others would illumine our lives with your truth. And Lord, we pray that this will lead to a deep and growing union with you in which your glory shines through our very pores. We thank you, Lord. Let the work of spiritual formation, of discipleship, move forward in our lives today as we follow you. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. We'll talk to you next week on the Ask LFC Podcast. See y'all.